Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron and Rashog. It is giveaway day here on the podcast, courtesy our title sponsors, Across Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Stick around to the end of the pod. We're going to announce the winner of our Cross Country Canada giveaway. Did you see it? An awesome Yeti cooler, $300 plus value. Filled with Halloween candy in the Halloween spirit as our title sponsor celebrates the one-year anniversary of returning the company to its Canadian roots. Cross Country Canada uh, started with just four pals in a garage with an idea. They built it up into a massive company and now have become a major player with multiple locations across Western Canada, over 100 employees, and they've diversified into every area of the construction industry, and we'll do a great giveaway by them at the end of today's podcast. Today on the show, Pierre Lebrun, Cheryl Pounder will join us. How about Phil Kessel? 990 career games played, 400th goal he scores in the process on a record-setting night. We'll check in on the situation, white hot now in Vancouver with Bruce Boudreaux and the Canucks. What a start for Nazem Kadri. Holy smokes, he's shooting the lights out. And does it feel like something needs to give with Shane Wright? You would think so when you look at his minutes played. We're also going to ask the question, what the heck is going on in Cheryl Pounder's basement? And she brings this one on herself. So you definitely have to hear Poundy talking about the Pounder household basement. And Arpan Basu is going to check in with our straight to the point editorial segment today dealing with Carey Price and the price that players often pay for playing through the pain. Presented by Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals, this is Got Your Back, NHL edition. As we say a bright and beautiful good morning to Pierre Lebrun and Cheryl Pounder. Pierre with the big smile and the cowboy shirt on. After uh, you took a journey, Pierre, to support your your team. Yeah, I broke the goose egg. I was 0 for 5 lifetime watching my Dallas Cowboys in person to the <laughs> point where a couple of years ago I said maybe I should just stop going. Stop going. Them. You're the and, jinx. Um, my wife convinced me with uh, a couple of friends of ours who always travel with us, let's go see them again. They beat Detroit. I had a smile on my face. It was a fabulous Sunday in Dallas, Texas. Well, you've got some more parody- nice. paraphernalia on. For sure. You've got the hat on now. Last time I was on this pod, it was well, just the jersey and you weren't speaking as as highly. Well, Cheryl, I don't do it on purpose. I don't own any other clothes other than suits for TSN or Cowboys stuff. That's all. Like, you, don't no you don't have a You don't have a turtleneck that you wear on the Habs panel? What, like, what do you wear on a date night? What do you go out uh, for dinner in? I got some pretty nice high-end Cowboys stuff. Uh, you know, dinner wear. No. Um, okay. Flag. I want to see that. Come on. You can't wear team paraphernalia on a date night. I'm marking I, this down. We're doing this in a red card, yellow card, no card segment in a uh, in a future podcast, Pierre. Do you have well, a Cowboys tie? By the way, date night for my wife and I is squeezing in uh, a meal in between practices for the girls at hockey uh, or my son. <laughs> so let's just be clear about what a date night looks like in my house. I hear you. It's true. Uh, Hey, Poundy, is it just me or did you liven up the set a little behind you or did you change locations? Like we, we see well, some I pictures changed, a bit of... Okay, now I changed a little bit of location because <laughs> I have something on, I have something going on down in my basement that I, I really can't okay. share with you. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what is going on in Cheryl's basement? <laughs> this is... 
wait a second. What could possibly be going on that you you can't tell us? Whole other story. So I felt like the kids' art would be would be a perfect setup for uh, behind here. So what I'm writing these notes down. What is going on in Poundy's basement? Like some sort of crazy at some point. The den. What kind of room are you building down there? I don't know. Sounds like a Reno to me. But yeah, sounds uh, like a Reno with downtown, a with a lo- downtown. <laughs> I was gonna say definitely some sort of code on the door. Whatever you're building down there has a has kids a lock. Aren't allowed. A, kids, kids are aren't not allowed. allowed. Wow, yeah, love it, uh, That's awesome. All right, well, thank you guys uh, both. Great to see both of you. Uh, lots to dig into this week. So let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. 16 locations across the country taking care of all your hockey needs. And remember, they really specialize in pro sharpening and repair for your skates. Their expert pro shop has technicians that will provide you with a wide range of skate sharpening and profile options that best suit your skating style between their by-hand sharpening or the Sparks automatic sharpening machines. They make sure you walk out with the perfect edge on your skates. Come by for your tune-up or your repair uh, for a skate stretch to replace your rivets, coppers, eyelets, holders, or steel. Your skate's the most important tool you have when it comes to playing the game, and they take fantastic care of you and your skates at Pro Hockey Life. Okay, Phil Kessel uh, has been blazing around on his skates for a long, long time, making 990 consecutive games played, scores his 400th goal, uh, 400th goal as a as a way to celebrate. Uh, Poundy, he's just this absolute contradiction when you think Iron Man and what an Iron Man should be all about. Phil Kessel has kind of done it his own way. What are your takeaways from Kessel at 990 and 400 goals? I think it's just incredible. I mean, you think about that number and, you know, in the number of games that he's actually played in the NHL in the 990. And you think about the injuries in today's game. Yeah, he plays on the perimeter for the most part and doesn't uh, take or give a lot of hits. And we know that, Um, but it's pretty incredible when you think about him doing it his own way, whether it's hot dogs or whether it's not necessarily, you know, training as much in the summer. And I think maybe there's something to be said a little bit to a point of, of overtraining. Would would you say that? But no, it's, it's absolutely an incredible feat. Uh, We know what he's done with his shot, his feet over the years. And I just, you know, it's, it's a great testament to longevity and his passion for the game. And I think as, time goes on, people certainly have started to really appreciate a sense of humor and we're seeing it even right now. Um, so like you said, he he's enjoys the game and, and I think it's just a great achievement. Definitely, definitely a unique character. I mean, obviously he played here in Toronto where I'm based and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot about his career and how his trade to Toronto and his trade to Pittsburgh are a complete juxtaposition of how people yeah. perceived him in the sense that yeah. When he was dealt here to the Leafs, uh, Brian Burke traded for him. The Leafs were trying to short circuit a rebuild. And it was about building around Phil Kessel, which from the get-go just didn't fit. Phil Kessel doesn't want you to build a team around him. He wants to be a guy that helps support the core, you know, support offensively. But being the guy in front of the camera every day was not for Phil Kessel. And in many ways, you know, I felt for him when he was a Leaf that, that it looked uncomfortable for him to be in that kind of spotlight. But then when he got dealt to Pittsburgh and then he's just supporting Crosby and Malkin and Latang and just yeah. playing unbelievable clutch playoff hockey for that team, winning a cup with them, that was the perfect spot for him. Because now it's not about Phil Kessel's team or 
the entire thing revolving around him, but him just adding what he can. And I thought he fit in great there and showed why he's a guy you want to have on your team. So I always think about those two different fits, polar opposites for Phil Kessel, which in many ways kind of describe, you know, how his career has played out. I think about moments. Oh, sorry, Ryan. No, go ahead, Pandy. Watching him when I was younger, and I used to always comment. I mean, just watching, you know, the Leafs or what it may have maybe just his shot walking off the half wall. That was something that I always, always talked about with the girls um, in my household. Anyways, his combination of his quick release, and that was something I always looked at because his quick release, but the velocity on his shot as well. So he didn't give up with the release and his accuracy. Uh, which allowed him, I think, to stay healthy in a lot of ways because he didn't have to get inside the dot too often, right? And and, and that, that yeah. can save your career as well when you don't have to get inside the dot. Definitely some self-preservation in his game. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, we were looking at it. Rod Brindamore, I think, played six straight seasons of 82 games. Uh, that's a different – he would be the it's polar opposite. different style of hockey. That's a different style of hockey uh, that Rod Brindamore would have played. I like the fact that his 400th goal, too, showed some nice, uh, nice speed. You know, worked his way up ice, full ice. speed. Not as fast as he used to be, but that's been his trademark. Uh, a gifted skater. I think about moments in his career, and there's a bunch of them, but the ones that stood out to me, you know, after the criticism in the media, he ends up with the hot dogs in the Stanley Cup, which was great. Last man standing at the All-Star Draft. You guys remember yeah. that one? Oh, that Chopping down John Scott, right? Just hacking away at this six foot eight giant out on the ice there. And then there was a tweet. Do you guys remember the tweet he sent after uh, the U.S. lost to Canada at the World Cup of Hockey in 16? Phil Kessel left off that team. Just sitting around the house tonight with my dog. Felt like I should be doing something important, but couldn't put my finger on it. Awesome. I forgot about that. I did forget about that one too. I yeah, remember that. that. Yeah. That was my favorite moment of Phil Kessel, but I don't know, Pierre, just a guy that kind of seemed to go about it his own way and never really got in line and, uh, you know, went yeah. about it the way most people did. Yeah, and and I've got room in the sport for people who are different. Like, like we, you know, we don't need conformity from everyone. I like the fact that Phil Kessel's always, uh, you know, followed the beat of his own drummer. And uh, in many ways, he reminds me a bit, uh, not the way they play because this guy went straight to the net and sacrificed himself all the time. But in terms of being a different character, Glenn Anderson, who played in, in your town for many years, uh, Ryan was such a unique character. And I, I always enjoyed when I broke into the business, hearing Glenn Anderson interviews and, and, and how different he was and his longevity, by the way, Glenn Anderson playing forever again, different players. The, the playoff highlights of Glenn Anderson are going through a goalie. <laughs> but but in terms of being, uh, I think you guys would agree, if you remember Glenn Anderson, uh, uh, different, right? And yeah. and and fun and, and unique. And not everyone in the sport has to sound the same and play the same. And that's why I respect Phil Kessel for, for being different. I agree. And don't, don't you also think, Pierre, that sometimes as, as you know, the media and you, be, you become more familiar with the personality, sometimes... Um, a fan base can start to appreciate the personality as time goes on. And I feel like in some ways with Phil Kessel, that's what's happened. You know, he's gone to Pittsburgh, he's won his cups, uh, the longevity in his game, whether it's Arizona and now with Vegas. And, you know, it, 
the community around him in terms of his team. You know, there's always good things to say about him, you know, being a great guy and all these kind of things and playing his own way. And, and, and part of that is also um, allows you, it frees you to play your own game when you're not conforming. And that's something that he's done throughout his career. And look at him, last, last guy standing right now. He's got the last laugh. Um, and I thought it was kind of the irony with uh, the, goal, the the coaches challenge the other day when it could have been against the Leafs. And I yeah. thought, he's no longer on yeah. the books, guys. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, an interesting moment last night. And we'll see how many more games in a row he can uh, pile together. 990 games. Phil Kessel, uh, the NHL Ironman. Let's go over to the left coast. Uh, the situation in Vancouver, situation critical. 0-5-2 to start the season. It's been talked about nonstop. Uh, the coaching scenario with Bruce Boudreau. Yes, he's on the hot seat. We're not sure how long Vancouver's going to hold out before making that change. But outside the record, signs you look for that the coaching situation isn't uh, where it needs to be. Their penalty or their power play, 22nd in the league. Their penalty kill, 32nd in the league at 57%. All the signs are there. Uh, Pierre, who are potentials if and when the Canucks decide well, to make a move? Uh, I, I, that's not where I want to start because I, I think before you get there, we have to ask the question, like, why is a coaching change, if it happens, going to make that much of a difference? Like, I, I don't want to say that I find it, you know, disappointing. It's just, and, and listen, I, I'm sure there's a chance that that's where it heads for no other reason than Boudreaux's deal is up at the end of the year. So he's he's an obvious target when you want to bring change eventually. But my sense is the players enjoy playing for him. This, the problem with this team is, is way bigger than who's behind the bench. Um, you know, the, the blue line. Um, yeah. and, and then step back even more. Is this team under new management rebuilding, retooling, going for it? I, I, I'd like to hear more about sort of the vision because I, I got to tell you, this summer when the Canucks extended JT Miller, I was surprised. First of all, when we were at the draft in Montreal, all we were hearing from other teams is that they were being encouraged to phone and, and to check in on the JT Miller's availability. In the end, the Canucks end up extending him. And okay, so you're thinking the Canucks feel they can maybe fast forward this 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 retooling. But I, I think that's part of the, you know, is this Francisco Aquilini saying, I don't have the patience to do what's actually required here. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's, I want to start there before we get to the, you know, yes, is Bruce Boudreaux possibly going to replace at some point this season? I mean, if the losing continues, I don't know how that can happen, but I, I just think that's a Band-Aid. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think you have to stand back if you're the Canucks and say, what are we doing long-term here with this roster, which has some very good pieces, but I, I, I think we have to put a, some – some vision on what this actually needs here uh, in terms of a rebuild versus a retool. So that's where I wanted to start. If there is a coaching change, keep in mind that Canucks are still paying Travis Green this season yeah. and not nothing either. Uh, so um, I don't know that there would be an appetite at ownership's level to go out and get a high paying person when you're also paying Travis Green and Bruce Boudreau through the end of the season. Right. Um, so I would keep that in mind as well. Yeah. I mean, and so many questions uh, for me when you, you were talking just off the top there, Ryan, about, you know, where they're sitting in terms of their power play. But I was looking just at their goals for, I mean, they're sitting at 28th. 
Um, their goals against is 29th. I mean, it, when you look at the numbers, I mean, over four goals a game that they're allowing, and you've got Demko in net. And so what's going on in the back end is just the personnel, the strength of that back end, um, you know, in terms of, of being able to close up the middle, push and influence the outside. It's just it's just simply not there at the moment. I mean, look at the, the experience back there. You've got guys on um, injury reserve. Uh, but again, I'm with you, Pierre. Like, what's what's going on with the vision? Because, you know, they seem to be in a pretty scrappy place and, you know, doesn't 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 feel or the sense around it is, is not a good vibe at the moment. Clearly, when you're not winning, that happens. But what are the pieces that either got to get moved or do you hold the fort a little longer and see if they can work them way out, of, work themselves out of this? Yeah, and I, I think I, you... I was going to say, just remember that the person they brought in to shepherd all of the front office and Jim Rutherford, Hockey Hall of Fame executive who... We just talked about Pittsburgh and Kessel. I mean, Jim Rutherford, three Stanley Cup rings. He yeah. he knows how to he put knows. together a winning roster. Yeah, that's not what I'm questioning here. What I'm questioning is, in many ways, what are what is the front office's leeway here, from ownership yeah. on down, to reconstruct this roster, and and in what way? That's I'd like to know more about that. Well, I mean, I think to your point, the JT Miller signing was an indication yeah. that it was going to be more about the here and now than it was restructuring for two or three years down the road. I mean, you put that piece in place and you pay them the money they're paying him. And I know it's not comfortable. Like we don't we don't like talking about people losing their jobs potentially. And and Boudreaux's a nice guy. We all know that. But uh, like Pierre, it just it is what it is. You know, they start by blowing multi goal leads in their mm -hmm. first four games, and everybody goes, mm -hmm. okay, well it's it's early, right? Sure, it's early. Well, it's now it's seven games. He's had multiple times he's come out in the media. I mean, talk, talking about his team feeling mentally fragile. He talks, uh, you know, like I got another clip here from him uh, after the last game. I mean, he's, he's very honest, but there are things you're hearing out of this locker room and out of him that I think they, you know, the temperature is turned up and you can hear why. Uh, there was something like we're afraid to push. I mean, you saw when we scored the goal, we pushed and we finally got some a zone time and everything else but it's like they're standing around look and looking like oh, oh what's going to happen now and it's unfortunate because i think they all care like these are things we're hearing out of this locker room that this early in the season that feels like something you say after 45 or 50 games and you're 10 12 15 points out of the playoffs not in the first two weeks of the season that's why part of the reason why this feels as white hot as it does and frankly i think it should be pierre yeah, and and again, if you if you peel the onion even further back for a moment, remember that even Bruce Boudreau coming back to coach was kind of an awkward, meandering path in the off season, right? He they had the mutual option where he could decide he wanted back or walk away, and the Canucks had the other side of the option, and it took quite a while for the two sides yeah. to sort of get to that point where they said, okay, let's let's do this, you know, for next year. And I think obviously on on Boudreau's side without him having ever said this to me, but I'm just reading between the tea leaves, he would have appreciated an extension with a few more years on it as opposed to coming back to an, to an expiring deal. And frankly, what we know from uh, some of the reporting is that, uh, you know, the, I think the Canucks front office weren't quite all on the same page about whether or not Bujo should be their, their coach, certainly long-term. So I think that background is important to remember heading into 
what now is, you know, a bit of a gong show to start the year. Yeah. You kind of create that situation for yourself by bringing a coach back on the deal that he's back on. And if you're not off to a good start, I mean, you, you basically, you know, the water was set for this to be the narrative if they weren't off to the start that they wanted to be anything else from you, Cheryl, before we move on. Yeah, just as an athlete, you know how difficult it is to be in a pressure cooker. And and in his last uh, comments, you know, there's fear attached to, you know, when you you feel that pressure to want to win, to know that maybe you perhaps you have a lead and you don't want to give it up. And and it's not like you consciously go out there and don't give forth an effort or whatever. But sometimes when you overthink it, because you're in this pressure cooker, you know, you don't get your best performance because you're not you're not free to play. And and so that's part of the uncomfortable around the sport and finding ways um really finding ways to play and sometimes you just get to a point where you're like you know i'm allowed to swear on here but uh you know and then and then you wind up just going for it and just sort of eradicating it because you're at sort of your wits end so you can kind of feel it it's at a breaking point there with respect to that so sometimes you turn when that happens because you know there's nothing less nothing left to lose nothing uh left to unturn in terms of your performance so It'll be interesting these next few games, and maybe they need a real good night out. <laughs> couple, of, yeah, a couple of points. They need something, right? They, yeah, they right? need like, something to right. galvanize the group, like whether that's blowing one out or whatever it is. JT Miller had a better game their last game, and uh, if he can get it going, yeah. he admits he has not been good this year. Uh, they just need to get off this well, streak. And, and the timing of Quinn Hughes' injury, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Like if yeah. there's one guy in that lineup other than Demko that yeah you can't you lose, can't lose, you cannot right? lose him. Okay, meanwhile, in Calgary, Nazem Kadri uh, points in all six games. He's got four goals, five assists, uh, nine points, two and one last night in an important game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Flames are off to uh, the five and one start. This has been a sensational fit in Calgary, and I don't know if it should be surprising mm-hmm. to anybody. Uh, you know, Daryl Sutter and Nazem Kadri seem like a pretty good match, Mm-hmm. But has there been a better fit in terms of a, a high-profile player changing locations? This is something. Well, uh, and I would say, I don't know what, how Cheryl feels about this, but, you know, over the years when we've seen uh, contenders um, change some major parts in their core, often you'll see them struggle in October. They have to sort of yeah. find their sea legs. Yeah. And I, I think we should not take for granted what the Calgary Flames have done coming out of the gates. They forcibly had to part ways with two-thirds of arguably one of the top lines in hockey and Johnny Gujo, Matthew Kachuk, and bring in Huberto and Kadri and Uyghur on the back end, and you're thinking, okay, how is all this going to fit? I, mean, I remember talking to Brad Treeliving about it in September, and, and then he was saying on paper, yeah, but let's see how it all comes together quickly enough. I mean, the GM himself was curious about that. And here they are coming out like this. these guys have been in Calgary for 10 years. No. Yeah, I mean, that, that that doesn't happen every time. So I think we have to underline that part of it, too. Well, yeah, and, and you can certainly tell him he's a setter type of guy. But even I know we were asked earlier in the year, especially coming out of the summer and, and uh, these acquisitions. And I, I remember saying, I actually think, you know, they've made out better here. But is there an opportunity? Do you think that Kadri can reproduce the year that he had? And not likely was kind of the answer. And then he yeah. walks in there and he just, he's yeah. owning it. And, you know, he has that ability to play with an edge on his entries. And so he's got that rough and tumble to him. Um, you know, he's got that hard nose, but the ability to finish now. And you're seeing that chemistry. I love what you say, though, Pierre, because it does take some time. And typically speaking, 
where, you know, not only do you have to get familiar with your surroundings, you're in a new environment, but then you've got new, new wingers, you've got new guys that you've got to figure out how to, to weave with, but you know, he's a veteran and he's just kind of applied that to his game. You know what you're going to get from him. He's just elevated. Um, and I mean, it's, it's been, it's been real eventful and it's been fun to watch because, Hey, coming out of the summer when everyone was like, man, oh man, what's going to happen here? This team is, are they going to be in a rebuild? Is this going to be a completely depleted team? And now, you know, I have them, I have them as a contender in terms of the cup. And um, so again, it's, uh, it's uh, some great acquisitions, but look what they're doing. And so stay healthy. And, and, and to me, I don't want to completely say it's not important, but I'm not terribly interested in what Kadri's offensive numbers are at the end of this yeah. regular season. I'm interested in what he brings come to playoffs because, you know, I was out there, you know, uh, supporting you, Ryan, during the Battle of Alberta. We worked, we covered that series together <laughs> and uh, carrying me. And, uh, and I'll tell you, and I guess there's no bigger criticism you can say about a team, but I, I was amazed at the lack of pushback from the Calgary Flames once Edmonton took over that series. And I remember yeah. thinking, okay, so who's the guy on this team that says we're not just going to accept losing four straight after winning the opener here? And I didn't see it from the Calgary Flames. I, I was kind of surprised how quiet that series ended up going. And this is where I think awesome Kadri entering the battle of Alberta for me and we can only pray that these two teams meet again come uh, come the playoffs. But that's where I think he's a difference maker because yeah. of uh, of the way that he plays and uh, the way that he cares. Um, I'm looking forward to that. A yeah. couple of his main playoff performances: uh, 19, 20 with Colorado, 15 games. He was nine and nine for 18 points. Yeah. 16 mm -hmm. games uh, last season, uh, seven eight for 15 points. When he gets going in the postseason, he produces at a high level. Well, yeah, he does. And, and I mean, you know, I can go back to, I mean, when you get to playoffs, everyone knows that there's less time and space on the ice. And with your king on certain guys, that means that guys aren't, you know, they're looking to, to move the puck to someone that's no longer available. So it's on your stick maybe a second longer than you'd normally have it. So you have to be able to withstand the pressure of a guy coming on you and being physical and you have to be willing to pay the price to get to the interior because it toughens up, it tightens up. And here's a guy who isn't afraid to get to the middle of the ice and uh, pay the price. And that's, that's, that is a skill, you know, in a lot of ways to be able to be hard and physical, especially on entry. I find that edge on entry, not just going the other way from a defensive standpoint, but not just play those tough minutes, but be willing to get to those particular areas while you've been closed on. And mm -hmm. uh, he did that. So he's done that so effectively. Um, and why I think in particular in playoffs and Pierre, you, you said it perfectly. He's just, you know, he's the type of guy you want in your lineup. And, um, he's in it, as long as he's in it. <laughs> and, and, you know, in chatting with the new Colorado GM, Chris McFarland before the season, he did not hide the fact that, the Avalanche are accepting the narrative that they may have a real tough time replacing Nazem Kadri. They, they couldn't sign him. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to give that money to uh, Nichushkin, who's off to an unbelievable start. He's the younger player and such a beast in the cup final for them, but they couldn't bring everyone back. But the point being that the Avs understand the crater that Kadri leaves behind from leaving as their second line center. And the reality is, you know, if the internal options don't, fill that in closer to March 3rd, the Stanley Cup champs aren't going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, we'll just live with this. There may not be a more aggressive team at the trade deadline than the Colorado Avalanche if they feel that they haven't figured out um, 
you know, the missing offense on their second line. So I would keep an eye on them. Four, two, and one uh, in their first seven games. Uh, all right, last item here before we get to some uh, goofy games. Pierre, the World Cup, you're reporting on insider trading that the potential is as high as ever for a delay mm-hmm. here with the World Cup. I guess my question to you would be, why are they considering delaying it? And does it have to do with the difficult decision that they have to make over what to do about Russia? Mm-hmm. And why is this decision proving to be so difficult? It, it feels obvious. It feels like, you know, go ahead, do the World Cup when you want to do it, and you don't have a team Russia. Why, do, yeah. why is it more complicated than that? Yeah, it's certainly uh, the Russia thing is certainly part of it. Uh, I would say the number one reason, although no one involved wants to acknowledge that publicly, they've acknowledged publicly. Bill Daly and Gary Bettman at the Board of Governors meeting last uh, week in New York, when when I was there, um, acknowledged that there are other uh, countries, European countries, that have voiced their opposition to Russia being in the World Cup of Hockey, while the uh, the conflict in Ukraine continues and you can understand why they feel that way, which has put the NHL and the NHL PA. Let's not forget, this is an NHL NHL PA tournament. They host it together. Mm -hmm. Um, It's put both of them in a tough spot because obviously they understand where those federations are coming from. But at the same time, you know, Russian NHL players are a big part of the NHL brand. And so, um, it, it, it's, it's a thorny issue for, for the NHL for sure. And so what I can gather and why I reported on it for insider trading is that last week when Gary Bettman dropped a little unsolicited, I should add, well, maybe we'll have to delay the world cup. That's the first time I've heard the league say that publicly. Yeah. And I followed up on it this week and, and it's something that the NHLPA I know has talked about internally in its own calls. And the idea is, you know, the World Cup hasn't been here since 2016. Is this the best time, February 24, to bring back this event that they want to be really important for the league and the PA? Or do we, do we, you know, do we delay this thing? And I think, you know, listen, there are other issues. The IIHF has other things that they're concerned about that have not been ironed out with the league. The league and the PA are going to meet with the IIHF in Tampere, Finland, the weekend of number 4th and 5th coming up when Colorado and Columbus are there to try and, and further discuss this. They've not closed the door and still having it in February 24, let me be clear. But it feels to me from the calls I've made that the momentum to delay this event now is starting to to, to gather steam. So we'll see where this goes. All right. Uh, it seems to me like, uh, you know, this this issue with Russia... It's a tough, it's not a comfortable thing. It's not an easy no. thing to go ahead and do, but it does feel obvious to me. And by delaying it, it's it's almost like they don't want to plant that flag in the ground and make that difficult call and say, we stand with what so much of the rest of the world is doing. By putting it off, it feels like they're avoiding that decision to me anyways. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, we'll see which way it goes. Contentious to say the least. Yeah. Okay, that was a breakdown. Uh, great stuff, guys. Uh Listen, we're gonna do we're gonna do a segment that's gonna be a challenge. Uh, we Uh-oh. tried this last week with uh, we tried it with Johnny and Dregs, and why, the reason it's a challenge is because listen, none of us are great at being short winded. We're all fairly long winded. We we're broadcasters. What? We love to hear ourselves what talk. What are you talking about? 
No, no, no. I don't include you, Pierre. That was only a five-minute answer on the World <laughs> Cup that you just gave us there. Uh, by the way, uh, the quiz master who does some advising for us here on Got Your Back does not like the name I've come up with for this segment. I'm calling it Chimes because I'm going to just sort of throw out an innocuous little note or fact or something like that. You guys chime in. 15 to 20 seconds are the length of your chime. Just give oh, me a boy. thought on what I'm going to put out there. Okay. 15 to 20 seconds. 15 to 20. Oh, boy. Start your clock. <laughs> no, Poundy, I'm trying to decide which one of you is going to have a tougher go at this. I feel like it's going to be Yeah, you. I'm just going to listen to okay. Pierre. I'll give my Okay, my Cheryl's concern. basement, go. Yeah, Cheryl's basement, what the heck is going on? Uh, I need to find out. Uh, you know what? I think I've got a sound effect here. Let me. See. I might even have a sound effect in my board that will work if you're going over time. Let me see. What oh, I yeah, got it should here? be like a buzzer. Uh, no, let me see what I have here. I think I have... Whoa, that was loud. Did you hear that? You guys could yeah, hear that? Yeah, wow. You are really I could do, official. Brian. I could do that like, instead. You've got sound effects. You've got... Yeah. I've got a great oh, one here of Darren Dreger. Uh... Oh, this is big. No, that's too long. That's not going to work. Okay, that's, we'll yeah, go the offside whistle. That eats up whistle. our time. That eats up if, our time. Yeah, if you're going too long, you're going to get So what if we whistle. have nothing to say about something? Just say pass. I mean, <laughs> generally, I don't keep score, but... It will be a bit of a competition, so I, I wouldn't recommend passing Ooh, because you won't feeling, get any points. I'm feeling it. Feeling oh, the heat. You're feeling it? Okay, here we yeah. go. Uh, all right, chimes. Shane Wright, 6 minutes 14 seconds, 6 minutes 50 seconds, 6 minutes 36 seconds, 8 minutes 42 seconds, 5 minutes 51 seconds, and 3 healthy scratches. Shane Wright, Pierre, you start. David Branch is going to hate me, but this, this is why... At some point in the next decade, they have to revisit why first round picks from Canadian juniors should have the option of playing HL hockey. That's all I got. That's all you got. I'm going to say amen, Pierre. You're the winner with your, your Dallas stuff on because I'm telling you, with confidence, I mean, confidence goes a long way. You have to have enough minutes to actually get your feet, get your legs under you and find your game. It just simply isn't enough. Could you imagine him on the World Junior team with Bedard and Fantilli? Yeah, this is, the, this is what I'm waiting oh. for. Come on, yeah. right? Can you imagine that? I know. That wasn't a comment you were supposed to chime on, so you get oh, penalty right. points Sorry. for okay. talking Done. when you weren't supposed to talk. The Boston comeback stories. Jim Montgomery, what a great comeback story. Six and one to start. David Krejci, two, six, and eight in his first seven games played. The Boston comeback stories have been great this year. Poundy. Krejci, I mean, unbelievable to be able to come back into the lineup and have that kind of impact. I mean, Boston, I've been looking at saying, you know, a wild card situation here, but look with the injuries and the start that they got off to, Krejci all the way. Pierre, this is where you talk. I, oh, I thought you just gave Cheryl <laughs> criticism for chiming in when she wasn't supposed no, to chime. Just, I know, I, I, I didn't lay the um, rules out fair enough. You I'm both just, have I, a chance. I'm, I'm thrilled for Jim Montgomery. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of writing his story when he uh, opened up uh, about his struggles. And um, it was one of the hardest stories I, I've ever had to write just to, because you could feel the pain in his voice. Yeah. And how difficult it was for him to open up and to see him a few years later back behind NHL bench as a head coach. Amazing. Great story. Yeah. It is a great story. That was emotional content. I was going to whistle you because you went too long, but it would have been rude to whistle you in the middle of that content. I agree. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So it, it is amazing stuff. But 
Timing-wise, you did deserve the whistle there. The Vegas okay. goaltending. Logan Thompson, 3-2, and two, 931 save percentage, 2.03 goals against. Aiden Hill is 3-0. and oh. This is the most innocuous goaltending combination, and here they are, the early Jennings favorites, Pierre. <laughs> well, listen, I, I think the World Championships uh, was an important experience for Logan Thompson, by the way. And I think, you know, going there and after playing late last season for Vegas, I think it did wonders for his confidence. You're seeing it. Yeah, confidence is everything when you get between the pipes. I mean, I think he's 25 years of age. He played 19 games last year, I think. But, I mean, it's pretty incredible to see, you know, what he's done uh, between the pipes. And and when you gain that confidence, everything just, I mean, the way, the presence that he has in the crease, you can just see it elevate. And, uh, it's, it's again, it's fun to watch because it, the game, it changes when you get that kind of confidence. Oh, you just made oh, it under I the whistle. It. Austin Matthews, one goal, um, 33 shots this season. Uh through seven games played. He had three at this time last year, though he did start the season hurt. One goal in seven games played. Poundy, level of concern's not even the right word, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, listen, he's back-to-back rocket winner. I'd be more concerned about the entire team at the moment versus just Austin Matthews. I certainly think there's a level of frustration there. Uh, you can see he's just off the mark with some of his shots and and that the vibe certainly isn't quite there, but I mean, he's going to come. It, it's going to come at some point. I mean, two-time rocket, uh, hard. this guy's got it going on. Just got to find the tempo within the team right now. Zero concern with him individually. I may have concerns yeah. on the Leafs, but zero with Austin Matthews. His career shooting percentage way higher than his current shooting percentage. The math doesn't compute that this will continue. There's a bushel of goals coming for 34. Yeah, and I was actually going to finish with an Austin Matthews clip from the other day because I liked it. Here is Austin Matthews on yeah, one goal in the seven games. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's uh, it's it's you know I don't want to. It's frustrating for sure, but I think you know we're getting the chances, and um, you know I just need one to go in. Just need one to go in. And remember, it, it was fall. a sluggish start for him last year. Yeah, they'll, they'll start falling once. It will fall. And he typically scores in bunches. So when it starts, it really does start, right? So don't be surprised if all of a sudden he gets a hattie one game and it just changes him. But in the way he skates and diagonals in the offensive zone, he's getting available. I mean, he's getting the shots. As you mentioned, 33. Um, it's going to come. It's going to drop. Yep. I, uh, I agree. All right. That was the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Before we let you guys go... Uh, we do have to dig into red card, yellow card, no card. Um, I put this out on Twitter yesterday. I mean, I'm going to throw this scenario out there for you guys, and you can let me know your thoughts on, uh, you know, offside or not. Red card, yellow card, no card. This actually, this idea came up because I was I was on Facebook of all places, and there was a, a chat group, a neighborhood chat group. Not in my neighborhood, but another neighborhood. <laughs> Somebody was complaining because... A person walking their dog picked up their dog's doggy doo doo and placed it in their garbage, like in uh, the, the person's garbage on on their driveway. That's a so tough rather, one. So rather than carrying it around with them until they came came across a public uh, garbage can, and so the question was being asked on this community chat, like, is this okay? Should this be done? I got thinking about it. And um, I'll give you my answer to start. To me, this is uh, a red card. I think when you're placing that in someone else's garbage, especially if you have to go onto their property to do it, um, especially if the dog just did its business right there, I feel like it's it's a bridge too far. It's a step too far. 
for me, this is a, is is a red card. Poundy, are you a dog owner? What, what do you think here? I'm not. I have budgies, man. I don't. I don't have dogs. Sorry, and what? they just. <laughs> but budgies. We don't budgies. Yeah, we don't have to worry about you know that kind of stuff. But I'm saying yellow card because. You know, there's a part of me that says, you know, it, the garbage is right there. And, you know, they just pooped right there. I can just pick it up and I can walk it over and I can do my part instead of walking down the road with it in my hand. So, you know, I'm all about, you know, if I see litter at the end of my driveway, I might put it in my neighbor's garbage. Um then again, I live in a postage stamp beside my neighbor, so it's right there. So, you know, uh, yeah, yellow. Yellow card. Well, we also know how many things you steal from a hotel room, Cheryl, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. so, I was just waiting, guys. Well, I had way. my curing batch ready to show you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and just getting the empty cardboard box and throw all of the ones I get from hotels in there and bring them to the camera. So, so I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a yellow card in terms of a stern warning. I don't like it, but what I will say is, First of all, there are three dogs that live in my house. One is mine. Uh, the other two dogs are my mother-in-law's who lives with us. So uh, we are all about dogs. And the one thing I will tell you is that once in a blue moon, you get a uh, number two pickup while walking the dogs where the bag is a bit flimsy and doesn't do the full job and there's Ooh, stuff tripping right. all over the place. Right. That's and a good point. you have an emergency, an emergency. You have an emergency where you can't just be walking with this bag. So yeah. in that specific scenario, I agree with using whatever is a, the closest garbage, even if it's a residential one. Otherwise, if you got a good bag scoopage situation, yep. you can just put a knot in it and wait till you get home or a public garbage, in my opinion. Cu couple of details that matter to me. I think it's entirely different if it's garbage uh, garbage day and the, oh, the garbage okay. can is down at the oh, end of the driveway. That, that, that changes it. Okay, I think okay, that changes so let's, it. Let's hold on here. Are we walking up with our poop bag to the side of the house and like yeah. through and putting it in someone's garbage yeah, that's at their house? That's, that's yeah. That's we're not talking down on the driveway on garbage day. I think on on garbage day on the okay, end I'm of the driveway on is probably day now. You know. Uh, Put this out on Twitter. Uh, Andrew uh, says, bag tied up before thrown in bin, question mark. If so, I'm okay with it. Yes, bag, bag tied up. You're not yeah. lobbing an untied bag into the garbage can. That's what that you would... do. Isn't that what you do when you're in high school when you don't like someone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's basically <laughs> pranking somebody. Uh, James Emerson says, yellow, and only because it's supposed to go in the food scraps bin and not the garbage bin. Oh, so for those communities that have the, the food scrap bin, uh, Kane Lambert says, no card. Clint says, if it ends up in the garbage, in a bag, no less. Who gives a beep? You know what? A uh, little play on words there. Um, I would say it's probably no card is is the overwhelming winner. But yeah. here on Got Your Back, we do have the ultimate arbiter, as you guys know, here on Got Your Back. Uh, Ted Hitchcock from Shorzy, our good friend Terry Ryan, Montreal Canadiens' first-round pick. Uh, national treasure. This man's opinions um yeah they should be in a museum because he is he is the ultimate arbiter and here he is as the ultimate arbiter i call no card on the play oh. there are enough dog owners going around unchecked leaving their dog droppings all over the city like it's some kind of extended toilet now we're going to criticize which garbages are being selected for disposal i think not if you're that anal about who uses your garbage go buy a lock 
and then maybe take a long look in the mirror and remind yourself tools go in a toolbox. Hockey gear goes in a hockey bag and garbage goes in a garbage can. No card on the play. Final answer. Hey, oh, TR. It's the case. The ultimate that's a arbiter. Great, by, by the way, that's a great uh, red, yellow, no card question this week, though. I, I, I give you props for that, Ryan. It's not as good as next week's, Pierre. You know what next oh. week's is? Okay. I can already tell you. You're going to be excited about this. Ready? Is it okay to wear your favorite team's apparel on a date night with your wife? That and I'm not giving you my answer. We're holding off, but Pierre, that is coming at you on Twitter in the days to come. <laughs> you provided us golden oh. material. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's either going to be that, or we're going to do some sort of a, a like people sending us their suggestions of what in the heck is going on in Poundy's basement. We need people's suggestions as to what this could be, Poundy. What is happening? Oh, it's just. I, no. I think. I think the funniest. I, I think the funniest part is if my wife gets wind of your Twitter poll question, she'll be like, "Wait, we had a date." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I know. Yeah, I, it's not going to be. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be pretty for you, Pierre. It's going to be a tough week. I feel like you might want to call in sick for that one. Oh nope, I'll take it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, great stuff. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, uh, Poundy, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, lots more to come after the break, uh, including straight to the point with our good friend from The Athletic, Arpin Basu. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time to get straight to the point. And for today's segment, we go back to our good friend from The Athletic, Arpin Basu. If you didn't get a chance to read his article this week with Kerry Price, I highly recommend that you seek it out. Uh, Price opened up with Arpin about a lot of things that he endured during his career, the difficulties that he had um, with different addiction issues and also uh, pain management and some of the things that he endured in trying to play through significant injuries. That is the subject of our straight to the point this week with Arpin as he digs into the price of players sucking it up. Pain is a subject that remains far too taboo in the NHL today. You may have noticed on Tuesday I had a chance to talk to Carey Price recently and we talked about pain in many different contexts physical pain, and in his case, mental pain, which stemmed from alcohol use and the courage that he needed to recognize he had a problem and ask for help. And then the further courage that he needed to talk to me about it and let the world know what he was going through. This is courage that should be commended. And it's courage that we see far too seldom in the NHL. When it comes to pain, it is something that NHL players have long been trained to keep inside, to not talk about, to play through it, suck it up. 
this is a culture that needs to change. And Carrie Price is just one example of that. When it comes to physical playing, Carrie Price played through a knee injury throughout the 2021 playoffs, realizing that he had a one opportunity they waited his whole life for, a chance to win a Stanley Cup, an improbable run to a final that he knew at that point he was probably never going to get again. So he sucked up the pain, and now his career is in jeopardy as a result. Shea Weber did the same thing. He's never going to play hockey again. We see it all over the league, where players play through pain and later regret it. I recently spoke to Sean Monaghan, who had hip surgery in back-to-back years, and how now he wishes he had done that three to four years earlier because he played through pain and didn't complain. This is so ingrained in NHL culture that it's become just natural for these players, but it's not something that they should be doing. If you look at it from a purely business standpoint, which I don't think we should do, but let's look at it from that standpoint. NHL teams, owners, spend millions of dollars on these players, and yet they allow the players to have the first say in whether or not they will play because it is on the players to admit that they're hurt or injured, which for some reason is a distinction to players, but really it shouldn't be. Um, and then we wonder why it was that they waited so long to fix a problem that had existed for so long. What Carey Price did, again, took some courage. And hopefully people around the league will look at what he did in admitting that he had a problem, in publicly stating that he needed help, and in owning that and explaining the entire situation publicly, openly, transparently to show that NHL players are not infa- are not invincible. I shouldn't say infallible, but not invincible. That they do suffer pain and that when they do so, they need to say something about it. This is a unique case with Carey Price, but there are unique cases like this across the league. NHL players need to come to grips with the fact that they are not supermen. That, that sometimes they need help, whether that's with mental pain, whether that's with physical pain, and admit it, tell their teams, and get the help that they need. All right, and before we wrap up the podcast, folks, time to do our cross-country Canada supplies and rentals giveaway. Um, and before we do, we should explain why they're doing a giveaway here on the podcast. So Cross Country Canada is a company that was started by four guys who wanted to provide uh, equipment and supplies to an industry that they knew a whole lot about, right? The oil patch. And so they got this company together in a real short period of time. They grew it really fast. And within a year, they were bought out by an American company. They did incredibly well. So a lot of people would kind of take the money and run, right? But not this crew. Uh, you know, they they rallied together and pooled the money. And a couple of years later, they actually bought their company back. This is so rare to have this happen. So they bought it back, took it over again, and have been rocking and rolling ever since. Uh, it's 100% Canadian owned and operated, which they're really proud about. Uh, they've got multiple locations across Western Canada, over 100 employees, and they've diversified into all different areas of the construction industry. So it was just over a year ago that they bought their company back, and they're celebrating by doing a giveaway here on Got Your Back. Did you see it? It's this Yeti cooler. 
This thing is a beauty. These things are over 300 bucks, and they stuffed it full of Halloween candy. Why not, right? Uh, getting in the Halloween spirit. So um, we asked for your submissions. Real easy trivia question. Uh, we had a whole pile of submissions, and we thank you for your subscriptions and for taking part. Uh, absolutely love it when uh, listeners and viewers participate here on the podcast. And I am here to announce that the big winner of the Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals Giveaway, and I hope I'm saying this name right, Steve Velthusen. So, Steve, uh, we will be reaching out to you on Twitter. Uh, Cross Country Canada will be in touch, and they will be sending you this big, beautiful Yeti Cross Country Canada supplies and renters uh, rentals cooler stuffed full of Halloween candy. Right on. Look forward to doing more giveaways here on the podcast in the months ahead. That'll wrap the pod today. Big thanks to Arpin Basu, Cheryl Pounder, uh, Pierre Lebrun. And a reminder, uh, keep an eye on our feed. We are going to have an interview pod drop a little bit later on this week, trying to line things up with Trevor Zegris from the Anaheim Ducks. So Thursday or Friday, keep an eye out for that interview uh, with Lebrun and I. Big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, of course, and Liberty Smart Security, also a sponsor here on Got Your Back. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday, and we'll talk to you in the next couple of days. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.